Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bible, 1 Samuel 2, 12, 1 Samuel 2, verse 12, amen. Uh, Does anybody know who Helen Keller is? Raise your hand. Helen Keller. Okay, good. Some young people should know because you've been, you probably had to study her in, in high school, maybe in junior high. Y'all read her book. You know who she is. Okay, good, good, good. Some adults in here. Helen Keller was an American. Matter of fact, Helen Keller was an American educator. She was an advocate for the blind and deaf. She was a co-founder of the ACLU. But she was stricken by an illness at the age of two. Keller was left blind and deaf. Yes, I did say she was an educator. You think about that. She was blind and deaf. Uh, Beginning in 1887, Keller's teacher, Ann Sullivan, helped her make tremendous progress with her ability to be able to communicate, uh, to read, braille, amen. Keller went on to college. Deaf and blind, she went to college, uh, graduated in 1904, and during her lifetime, she received many honors and recognition of her accomplishments. And Sullivan, when she, as a matter of fact, it was Alexander Graham Bell uh, that introduced Ann Sullivan to her family, amen. Ann Sullivan went on to be her teacher and stayed with her until uh, Ann Sullivan passed away. So she made a big impact in her, her life and every decision that she made. But listen to what Ann Sullivan, her teacher, told her parents. This is a quote. She says, you're great, you're, you are a greater handicap to Helen than her own deafness and blindness. Let me read that to you. She's talking to the parents. She tells them, you are a greater handicapped than her deafness and blindness to her. So obviously there was probably a time in her life where, where the parents were just, uh, you know, just being parents. But she saw that this woman was going to grow up and face many struggles. And that she had to be able to push through those things. And she saw something in her parents that was more crippling, debilitating, and working against her than her own disabilities. I want to preach on parenting, obviously, this morning, and how crucial it is for us to raise our children according to God's word so that we don't have to become a handicap to our children. I want to preach a sermon called Follow Through Parenting. Follow through parenting, amen. First Samuel 2, verse 12. First Samuel 2, verse 12. Let me jump up there, right there. Now, and, and 
I've read this recently, but I'm going to use this again. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. It's <laughs> a good way to start out of scripture. They didn't. They didn't know that. They did not know the Lord. The custom of the priests with them. The people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest servant would come while the meat was boiling with three-pronged fork in his hand, and he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is what they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Moreover, before the fat was burned, the priest servant would come and say to the man, who was sacrificing, give meat for the priest to roast, for uh, he will not accept boiled meat from you, but uh, only raw. And if a man said to him, let them burn the fat first, uh, and then take as much as you wish, he would say, no, you must give it now. And if not, I will take it by force. Um, Thus the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord. For the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. Uh, and so let's stop there. Father, I pray, anoint this message this morning. Help me to preach uh, and speak and direct parents this morning. And help them, Father God, uh, with these children, God, and our children. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Follow through parenting. Uh, let's look at falling short. Amen. Because every parent falls short. Amen. I was talking about Sunday school that we all have weaknesses and stuff. And I said, uh, you know, who wants to share their story about their weakness? And everyone, no one raised their hand. I said, oh, that's interesting. If you raise your hand, you say you're weak. Uh, that's okay, man. And uh, thank God someone rose their hand and said, I'll share my story. Amen. Uh, but, you know, I used this story a couple of weeks ago and talked about Samuel, how he was able to bend his environment. No, even though his environment was wicked, he was a young man that lived uh, with uh, Eli and his sons and these these wicked sons. And Eli was an older man. He was a priest. His mother had dedicated him to the Lord. Uh, and so Samuel grew up to be the prophet of God and on and on. You can read uh, on that. Um, but I'm going to focus on Eli this morning because not for what Eli did, but for what Eli didn't do. Amen. For what he didn't do. And But before we do look at his end, we have to look at what he had done. There are many things to admire about the man Eli. He's not, uh, Eli wasn't a wicked man. He, he, he did, you know, he served the Lord. He was a prophet, priest, amen. He judged Israel, amen, for 40 years, um, during which time uh, he was God's spokesman. He, God was using him. He was faithful. He was there, amen. Um, and we find no record of any outward evil, anything that he did wicked. There's nothing in Scripture that said that he had a sinful life uh, or, you know, he had uh, different things that he had to work through, amen. We don't see any of that. Uh, but when Eli learns that Samuel will take, even when Eli learns Samuel's going to take his place, um, Eli didn't get bent about it. He didn't get, uh, he wasn't jealous about it. He wasn't, even though he, Samuel tells Eli, look, the Lord is going to cut off your your inheritance. He's going to He's gonna take all this away from you. And Samuel's, Eli's response was, you know what? Whatever the Lord says is what the Lord says. Amen. So even that, you see this. Uh, he wasn't envious or spiteful. He didn't, you know, start slapping Samuel around, you know, just mistreating this kid, you know, because God spoke to him. Eli goes on and teaches Samuel in spite of all these good things. 
God still pronounces something serious upon a serious judgment against Eli. He, as I just mentioned, Samuel tells uh, Eli what God's going to do is going to cut his his heritage generation family off. So it's not for what he did, but what he didn't do. Because many of us in here, every parent can relate to with Eli and the way he fathered. If you look at his um, uh, his life, he was uh, great in many areas of his life. He was a provider. He was a, a man of God. He's a servant. He was faithful in a lot of areas. Amen. But where it counted most, uh, he fell short. Where it counted most with, with his sons, simply because he refused to discipline his children, he didn't deal with the issue. They come and they complain to Eli about his sons. And he goes to his sons and, and basically just gives them a little slap on the wrist. You know what? Don't do this again. You're, you know, this isn't right. And they don't listen to him. He does not deal with them. There's that saying, boys will be boys. Right? Girls will be girls, right? This is, uh, parents will say stuff like, oh, or people that are giving you advice, this is just a phase they're going through, you know. Uh, uh, and, you know, every teenager goes through a phase. It's called, and it's, it's, it's some short years, you know, between 12 and 22, you know. It's like, <laughs> uh, and so this is a short phase you consider, you know, in light of eternity, right, so, it's a phase, uh, you know, they're, they're going to grow out of it. And so what ends up happening is that many will neglect the responsibility that needs to take place in raising up a child. Amen. And this is basically what Eli has done with his sons. He neglected the responsibility. He was like today's cool dad. You know, you're a cool dad. Amen. Always playing with your sons or or, or your daughters, uh, or joking with them. Uh, maybe you go out and you, you know, you play ball with them, uh, uh, watch movies or video, play video games. Uh, uh, maybe even raise them in church, um, and all that's good. But listen, we live in a generation of parents that only want to be cool with their kids. God forbid! I've never wanted my son, my kids to say, "Oh, my dad's cool." Maybe say he has cool hair, but, you know, beyond that, it's like, you know, I don't want to be cool to my kids. Amen. I want respect. I want my children to respect me and my wife. Amen. I don't need to be cool. Amen. Listen, uh, nobody wants, nowadays, it's like nobody wants to be the bad guy in the family. Nobody wants to to. to, to be the disciplinarian. Like, who's the one that lays the hammer down? Amen. And most kids will say, they'll point to mom, right? <laughs> mom. You know, dad's got cape. He's got the cape on. You know, superhero cape, right? But I see this. We have parents who want to be their kids' friends. See this a lot with mothers, amen. And I'll say this, I've been counseling for many years, pastoring for many years, 
different parts of the country for many years. Uh, and I've seen this happen, not with everyone, but with uh, women who had uh, their children when they were teenagers. And uh, you can look up the study and research of many of the women that had their children as teenagers. Uh, something happens to their brain where it gets stuck in that moment. Amen. And if they had them when they were 15, 16 years old, 14 years old, uh, when they grow up together, they become their daughter's best friend, amen, because they're not far in age apart. Again, I'm not saying that happens all the time, amen, uh, but we do see this um, in uh, happening, amen. They're their daughter's friend. They're never the parent. They never lay the smack down, you know, the, 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 the you know, Cold Stone song doesn't come on, you know, glass breaking, psh, you know, someone sent me that meme the other day. It's like when my when I'm in trouble, and my dad finds out about it, and then it's like stone cold. So I should have I should have had it. Bah, glass breaks. Dad's walking upstairs, has his hat backwards, he's laying the smack down, right? The problem is parents are trying to compete with social media parenting. Hollywood parents. You know, most teens want a car for their birthday, right? Turn 16, I want to start driving. Uh, dad, mom, and, and I think it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a good thing, amen. But when Kendall Jenner was a teenager, Kris Jenner didn't disappoint and bought her a 90,000 Range Rover for her 16th birthday. And some of you, I know some of you are thinking, if I had that kind of money, I'd buy my kid that too. You're crazy. You're crazy. Every kid's first car should be beat up, man. Let me give you some advice. They will wreck it. And your insurance will be out the wazoo, man. And you'll be crying every month when you make that payment. You're like, what did I do? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I have firsthand experience. I wasn't a $90,000 Range Rover. It was a paid-off Pathfinder, amen. And so when that happened, it's like, hey, you know, your guy's okay. Don't worry about it. But, you know, maybe if it was the 90000 pound, what the heck did y'all do? <laughs> and so we see this, amen. Here's another example. Victoria and David Beckham raising a little art lover and, and their daughter Harper for their first birthday. The two were said have commissioned a custom Damien Hurst painting entitled Daddy's Little Girl. The heart-shaped work, which features butterflies, reportedly cost $600,000. Jeez. Beyonce and Jay-Z, only the best for Baby Blue. When Beyonce and Jay-Z's little girl turned one, she was reportedly gifted an $80,000 diamond-encrusted Barbie. Jeez, man. Well, I just can't buy her a regular Barbie. You know? Listen, Barbie's hair always gets cut off. I remember those days. Wasn't Barbie blonde and it turned blue hair? It's like, oh, yeah, Barker, you know. And then if he has brothers, forget it. Barbie's arms are gone. Legs are gone. What happened to Barbie's legs? You know, they're on the little Tonka Chore truck. Well, she rides better without legs, Dad. She just goes faster. The legs are getting in the way. It wouldn't fit inside the truck, Dad. 
And then if you're like me and your kids leave their toys on the floor and at 2 o'clock in the morning they're crying and you walk in there and it's dark and you go, ah, Because ah! Legos hurt, man, and them little cars hurt. And then they'll be looking for their car. Where are my Legos? Psh, I don't know. They're in the trash, Jack. <laughs> you leave that. If I step on it, they're in the trash, man. And if I get hurt, I got hurt. Those things are death-defying. Listen, I don't, I don't think two-year-olds should have $100 Nike shoes. Why? Because when they're two, two and a half, they don't fit anymore. They just don't. You, uh, can I be real with you? You know what that is? That's a poverty mentality. It's, it's a status mentality. Like, I have to show you that I have money. Amen. It's, back in the day, it was the guy with the cell phone at the bus stop. He got a thousand dollar cell phone, but he ain't got a ride. <laughs> he's, like, he's been walking around. I seen that guy down west the other day. He's like, he's walking around, cool. He's like he's doing business. Man, I saw him an hour later walking down the same streets. Like, he ain't doing no business. He ain't talking to nobody. You know what happened? They bought him hundred dollar Nike shoes when he was two. See, the problem with being a cool parent is that when it comes time to speak into your child's life, you can't because you were too be busy being their friend. You're too busy being their friend. How can a friend tell their friend anything? Not like that. Instead of their parent. And what, what happened is you unintentionally overlook their bad behaviors and sins because you're trying to be the cool parent. You'll unintentionally look over bad behaviors and you'll unintentionally look over their sin. Well, I didn't see nothing wrong with it. You didn't. Everyone else did. And that's the problem. You can't judge their actions or sins. You can't speak into their lives with conviction because you're too busy being their friend, amen. A parent has to be able to turn on the parent mode and speak into their child's life and say, what you did was not right. It was wrong. I just don't know if I can do that. You have to. You're the one training them, right? So Eli was not guilty of any great sin. But listen, his sons were. And these were not secret sins. Eli was aware of the sins. Verse 22. Now Eli was very old and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel and how they lay with women. Ooh, they weren't just getting meat, boy. They were laying with women. The priest, amen. Abby's eyes, what, what happened, what's going, I remember that scripture, well, I'm reading it to you right now, <laughs> who laid with women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle, man, they were in the parking lot hooking up with girls, listen, if my son, I caught my son hooking up with girls at church, I'm gonna slap him, not the girls, <laughs> my sons, I'm gonna grab him, what are you doing? He 
See, he knew, but he did nothing. Not only did he know, but the whole church knew. The whole place knew what they were doing. See, Eli's sin was a failure to restrain his sons. Verse 29, why do you kick at my sacrifice, this is God talking, and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me? God's talking to Eli. To make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people, Eli would much rather honor his sons instead of God. That's what the scripture says. God says, you would rather honor your sons and make them feel better about their sin and not do anything about it than honor me. All he had to do was correct them. So you can't do this. It's not right. And so what happens was Eli was judged and his house was cut off simply because he would not restrain or discipline his sons. You know, there's an important lesson to learn here is that if we do not discipline our children, God will. God will. If we don't discipline them, God's going to discipline them. But it's not God's job, right? It's not God's job. It's not the church's job to discipline your child. It's your job. It's our job as parents, People get mad when others have to say something to their children, but they refuse to say anything to them. It's like, I'm speaking into your child's life, and, and, you, and you, you're mad. Someone, I just said up here that one day you're going to have the opportunity to be able to speak into these children's lives because you were here at their baby dedication. You're a part of their family's life. You're friends with their mother and father, and you see something in them, and you say, look, I just want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want to tell you something. We have to discipline them. It's like running in the church. Adults, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you're an adult running in the church, you're like, oh, something's going on, right? Something's happening. But if you're a child running in the church, we, that's a no-no. Jumping on chairs, furniture, that's a no-no. No-no. That's a no-no. No-no. No. Children's church is designed for your kids to have fun, learn about God. But church is not a playhouse. It's not. This is not the, this is not the, the playground at McDonald's, if they still have one. And I don't know if they do or not. It's the parents' responsibility to tend to their children, especially if you don't like anybody saying anything to them. Especially. Which I'm, hey, I've learned over the years, man. People come to me, oh, well, you know, I saw this, you know, about your son or your daughter. I said, what'd you say to them? Well, nothing. Well, when'd you find out? Oh, what happened like a year ago? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to do something now, a year later? <laughs> now because you're convicted? <laughs> now because... For some reason, you want to tell me something about my child? Why didn't you tell me when you first saw it? Matter of fact, why didn't you go up to my child and say something to my child? 
You have children. See, I, hey, man, I don't want my kids to die. I care about my children. Bible studies. If you have children in Bible study, now I'm giving you some basic stuff here. If you have children with you in Bible study and they're with you at that time, it's our job to train. You can train them there at Bible study how to behave. Amen. Just because they jump on everything at your house and eat on your furniture doesn't mean it's okay to eat on someone else's furniture and jump on their stuff. You know, they always would say, oh, your kids are great. You know, they, you know, they, they act so good. It's like, man, praise God. Come see them at my house. So. <laughs> but listen, I train them to behave at other people's houses. Amen. Because I like to get rid of them sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, can we go to, can we come over and parents be like, oh, I'm, we're busy right now. I don't we're, we're going to go do something right now, you know. Let me say something. If you see them do something out of line, don't act like nothing's happening. I've seen parents, man. You're looking at your kid. I've had a friend like that, too, man. That kid was tearing up my house, all three of them. And we, we'd be talking, and I'm like, Looking up, and, and there's like chaos. And I'm like, and you know, the father was like, oh yeah, and this and that. And I was like, and one time I finally said, I said, bro, I almost said the person's name. <laughs> I said, bro, your kids. Oh, what? What? <laughs> there's markers on my, I mean, like, what? I finally, you know what I told that guy one time? I said, I got to tell you, I got to be honest with you, man. You can't come over anymore. <gasps> Why not? You don't take care of your kids. I want to get my deposit back. <laughs> man, you know, I have to turn into handy dandy mandy around here because your kids. But you know what? He didn't get offended. You know what? He's, you know what? He'd rather be in relationship with me. And keep coming over, so he disciplined his kids. He put them in check. Next time they were like on, they were on timeout the whole time, you know. He's like, okay, we're going to the Garza's and timeout. You're going to sit right here. Awesome. Fall asleep if you have to. No, he didn't do that. But now he was like, oh, I can't just ignore them. Well, duh. <laughs> can't just ignore your kids. You know, I don't, they don't need to be on a chain at my house. But, man, I just, all I want is a parent that's, that's aware their child is trying to write on my walls, you know. Hey, what are you doing? There's a tip for young parents. If you have not heard your child in more than five minutes, uh, it's time to check on them. Trust me, they're in someone's restroom throwing all the whole roll of toilet paper down the toilet. They're using someone's toothbrush. <laughs> they are, something's happening that shouldn't be happening. 
I promise you, ask, ask my kids, ask my wife. I'd be there, I could be like, oh, you know, Farco, you know, far, you know, throwing dice, playing Monopoly, and boy, my clock would go off, my little spotty senses would go off, you know, or even sometimes be Yolanda, she'd be like, go check on the kids. Oh, boom, I'll be back, go check on them real quick. What's going on? Oh, no, no, don't be doing that. What's, don't do the blah, blah, blah. Behave. Okay, I'm going to come back in here, man. I, I'm winning at Farco right now. You messed up my throat. It's, it's called being a parent. It's okay to take time. Hey, I'm going to go check out my kids real quick. Ain't nothing wrong with that. There's nothing embarrassing about it. We all have kids. Verse 31 says, Uh, behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so that there will be there will not be an old man in your house. Listen, you lose something when you refuse to deal with your children. God removes your priesthood, your favoring, and your dominion. He removes your anointing, your reputation, your credibility is all lost when we refuse to deal with our children. He said, I will cut off the arm of your family. Literally, I will destroy the strength, the power, the influence of thy family. You may know some families like that that have no more influence anywhere. Reputations out the window. The issue is many parents don't take this seriously because in their minds, we're good parents, we try our best. Eli, you know, remember, Eli never sinned. God removed himself from Eli because he refused to deal with his son. So here's a disclaimer. Don't, on the, there's the other side of it. You don't have, don't be the extreme hawk parent either, you know. Restrain doesn't mean that you don't, you know, you don't let them do anything either. You have to allow them to make, as parents, it's, I'll use the analogy of fishing. You, you fish a lot, you throw out your reel, you get a bite, you don't just go, if you fished enough, you'll know what I'm talking about. Say, like, what happened? Oh man, you're pulling, it's like you get a bite and you go, you set the hook. Because you don't know what you caught. Some fish, have to, they're tough. So you reel, 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 and then you let go. And then you reel, 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 and then you let go. And that's parenting. It's this tension. As long, there's, there's a tension there, and that's okay. We try our best to teach them the difference. Listen. Our church is designed to teach new parents, new converts, how to raise their children. Which brings me to my second point is loving them enough. Amen. This is where we have to follow through. No doubt Eli loved his sons. No doubt. Every parent loves their kids. They just don't always like them. Remember I talked about that the other day? <laughs> I don't like them right now. I love the mess out of them. They irritated me today, right? You young people that have kids later, you'll be like, oh, I know what you're talking about, Pastor, now. I, I got what you were saying, amen. So he did not love them enough, though, to restrain them. 
Discipline is the most important follow through. Proverbs 13, 24 says, he who spares his rod hates his son. That's pretty, that's pretty tough. God, listen, God's saying if you, if you refrain from disciplining them, correcting them, rodding them, amen, he says, you hate your son. But he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Promptly. And, and this is where parents, we have to get used to, you know, it's like we hear something and we deal with it. Can't let it go on for day, their days or weeks. You have to deal with it promptly. Amen. So Eli gave them a soft rebuke, but never followed through. And I see this a lot. Many parents who will get after their children. You get after them that you're good at that, but that's it. like a shotgun and your kids hear it all back and that's it there's no there's no follow-through after that right there the problem is is that you you deal with it you don't follow through and they're immediately let off the hook and many times there's no follow-through the best type of discipline you can teach your children is to be consistent. It's consistency, 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 consistency. Raising children is consistency. It's all it is. Training them. You have to be consistent. Does it get tiring sometimes? Oh, it does. Does it become a headache? Yes, it does. Uh, is it hard? Yes, it is. Uh, but we decided to have them, right? And they're going to go off into a world one day. And the world will look and judge them according to how we were consistent or weren't consistent about some things. But that's what follow through looks like. Amen. People always ask me, Pastor, how many days or weeks should I discipline my kids? I'm like, you seen that sign? You seen the sign that Whataburger has up right now? It says, hours of operation, always. <laughs> always. 356, 24 7. Amen. Listen, parenting is about consistency, not breaking. Look, you're not trying to break your kid's spirit. You're not, you don't, they're not slaves, right? You're, you're breaking their will, amen. Because children have strong willed. Some are stronger than others. My daughter was a very strong willed little girl. She, she has character. That's still part of her life right now. But that's what, as a parent, is fighting through that strong will. Because they're going to beat you, right? In their mind, I'm going to beat you. You're not going to beat me. See, Eli's sin was that he refused to deal with his sons. God expects you to do that, amen. Eli did say something, but he didn't follow through and was not consistent. So, listen, parents, uh, uh, you know, 
I've heard and seen things. Parents who give their, their, these crazy punishments, uh, but they never follow through with them. Crazy old punishments. That's it. You can't breathe for the next three months. You know, I was like, what the heck? <gasps> no, you know, they'll take away. Uh, I'll take, I'm going to take away your phone for the next three months. And then two weeks later, you see them with the phone. What happened to three months? And they, you know, they, oh, wow, wow, what happened? I thought you took their phone away. Oh, well, you know, it's because this and that and that and this. And they have to contact me and can't I get. That's not my problem. That's why I tell my kids, that's not my problem. It's your problem. You broke the rule. I have to stay consistent. Two days later, they're left off. They're they're off the hook. Especially the little girls, man. They got them. You know, my daughter has blue eyes, right? So she'd be rolling her blue eyes at me, Daddy. I'd have to look at her, and she's like trying to trap me. Like, don't look at her. It's like Medusa, right? Turn into stone. <laughs> Stop looking at me. Back over there. You're still grounded. Oh, my parents, man, back in the day, my parents, uh, my mom was probably watching. Man, the, I could do any, man, I could do anything. But if I failed a grade, oh, my God, that was the end of life for me, man. I mean, that was it, man. I dreaded it. I knew, man, I had an F, a D. Back in the day, we had a D. Oh, man, that's it. A D. I go home, that, you know, and hear it, and you're grounded for six weeks, no TV. Back back then, TV was like you having a phone. And And they didn't budge for nothing. You could only watch TV on Saturday and Sunday. Never budged, man. Some of you are like, man, that's hardcore. No, it's called discipline. That's called standing your ground as a parent. How many know my grades went up that six weeks, right? Shoot, man, I'll see TV again. <laughs> Be doing work. That's called motivation. Thanks, mom and dad. That's so mean. Something I hear parents say a lot. That's so mean. Or I heard parents say, well, I already told, I told them already. Listen, you may have said something, but I don't think they heard you clearly. I think you might have been speaking French when you told them because they didn't get the message. Well, I already told them, I told them. See, sometimes I don't think they even care what you said because they keep doing it. Are, Are you at that point where you tell your child and they don't even care what you say. They keep doing it. You better get your respect back as a parent. You better get your ground back. Listen, I'm glad you told them already. How about making sure that they do it and they follow through with it? Amen. Because, listen, kids, teenagers, they, they, they know when they'll catch us slipping, man. They're waiting for that moment. Listen, I'm, 
if you refuse to discipline your, your children and follow through, we're teaching them something that's going to hurt them for the rest of their lives. Because you'll just end up with a strong-willed child and a strong-willed adult that won't take anything from anybody. Just wonder why they won't serve. And you'll wonder why they won't serve God later on in life. You'll wonder why. Why aren't they serving God? So we live in a generation of mama's boys. These are guys that are cons- constantly being saved by mama. That's getting quiet in here, huh? Constantly getting saved by mama. Not my mijo. On TV, you know. I, I, don't, I don't believe it. You know, he never, never did drugs, you know. Busted him with 10 kilos of cocaine, you know. <laughs> Not my mijo. Not my baby. Who's ever seen that video? Not my baby. Get an angel. Hell's angel. <laughs> Ain't no angel. His name's even on hell. Oh, gosh. Watch out. Who's ever known on hell, boy? They ain't never known hells, boy. You ain't no angel. They try to defy their name. I've known them, too, in the past. Amen. <laughs> in reality, all you're, dis- you're doing is crippling your children. Like Ann Sullivan, the teacher, Helen Kellen's teacher, said, you're handicapping your children by doing this, okay? So there's four weaknesses you create in your children when you don't discipline them. One is they knew not the Lord. Verse 12, now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. They had knowledge of God in theory. Obvious, they were not atheists, but they denied him in works. They had no love for God and the things of God, had no fear of him and departed from his ways and his and worship. And you can have knowledge, but no relationship. You can be in church and know everything about God, but not have a relationship with Jesus. Not be born again, amen, like I preached last week. And the disgeneration of church kids and even preacher's kids amen they know every statistic they know how to communicate with this generation they know everything except the lord the second is impatient verse 16 and if the man said to him they should really burn the fat first then you may take as much as your heart desires he would then answer no but you must give it now and if not i'm gonna take it by force listen kids today they're very impatient they want everything now i want to be rich now they want everything now 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 Parents that can't say no, they're so afraid of their kids hating them. Listen, I'm a firm believer that kids should wait for everything, amen, for its proper time. Kids today are given way too much too soon. You know, it's okay to teach them to wait. It's okay to teach them to wait. It's okay. Better yet, it's okay to even teach them to work for it. Dad, I want this. Mom, I want this. Okay, so how do we get this? Because I'm not going to pay for it all. I'll help you. 
but let's see how you can raise some money. Amen. They, they start a telemarketing campaign. You know, they're, they're six. Grandpa, yeah, I'm trying to raise money on GoFundMe, you know, but it's not working. You got 10 bucks. You know, they start hitting up Grandpa, right? You know, they're, 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 listen. You know, do chores. I used to do chores. Give me money, amen. Work jobs, pay bills. Listen, what it does, it teaches them responsibility. I think every 16-year-old should get a job. Ain't nothing wrong. Well, I don't want, I just want them to concentrate on school. You think they're concentrating on school 24-7? Really, come on, guys. Let's be serious. They, do you think they're concentrating on school after school bell rings? You remember when you when the school bell rang and it was over? Oh shoot, I'm out of here. You're running home now. <laughs> you weren't concentrating on nothing. You were trying to concentrate on your friends. Ain't nothing wrong with working 10 hours a week at some job, amen. What's 10 hours a week? It's just teaching them something, amen. It ain't gonna kill them. Well, no, I'll buy everything they need. <sighs> You'll just go broke, amen. Frustrated. In debt. That's all, you, that's all that'll happen. You'll be in debt. The third is violence. Uh, 16, no, but you must give it now, and if not, I'll take it by force. You know, it starts off when they're small. You know, I told one lady years ago, I saw her, her son hitting her. He's about two, right? And uh, I said, you shouldn't let him hit you like that. Oh, but it's okay. It's, you know. And I knew she was going to say the next word. It's cute. Cute. I said, it's not cute. Hit him back. It, you know, it starts off when they're small. They talk back, they hit back, they scream, they throw tantrums, they get out of control, amen. But listen, they get older one day. And that little punch from that two-year-old, they turn 15 one day. But they got so used to hitting you. They got so used to t- telling you stuff and telling you off. And you didn't do nothing when there were two. So you wonder, I don't know why he's like this for me. <laughs> I'll tell you why. I was around. I was at the baby dedication. <laughs> I see it. I've been to your house. And I'm not going to get invited anywhere anymore. <laughs> oh, but you invite people from this church to your house. And if you don't, what, what don't you want them to see? What don't you want them to see? Listen, I want people to come to my house. I always say, my kids, hey, your kids are going to grow up and take off. And this is going to be you and your wife and your friends, man. Because they're going to have their own friends. And they turn into teenagers, they don't care about you. They just care about their friends. Oh, mommy, where are you going? Mommy, hello, mom. I got my friends. Oh, but please stay with me. And then you're left alone. What, happened? what did I do? I'll tell you what you did. I'm preaching it right now. So you don't have to do it. There was a story of a guy who lit his mother on fire. God, that's a real story. 
Listen, why? Because she wouldn't find him a wife. <laughs> the dude was 40. His mom was 60. Uh-huh. That's called mijo. She never stopped calling him mijo, mijo. He lit his mom up. Man, that guy should let your mom on fire. The fourth is immorality. Verse 22, now Eli was very old and he heard everything his sons did in Israel and how they lay with women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle meeting. You know, you can trace a serious decline in our kids since uh, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court agreed to remove God and prayer out of schools. Uh, this happened, amen, in uh, June 25th, 1962. No more rules, no more discipline. We don't want to hear that, you know, that sinning's wrong. Listen, public schools are, are allowing transgender students to use the bathroom and locker rooms that match their gender identity. Transgender uh, men are competing in women's athletes. I just told the Sunday school this morning, I told my wife a long time ago, where are all the feminists protesting this? You would think the feminist organizations, would they would be in an uproar because men are still taking women's positions. So thank you, Jesus. Yesterday was an article. One of the biggest, uh, most pronounced feminist groups was protesting this new transgender guy that's a swimmer. Amen. He's been knocking all the girls out of company. No wonder dude's like 6'2", all these little chaparitas trying to swim, you know, like, can you imagine? Listen, men's bone densities are bigger and stronger and longer. You've seen that, have you ever seen that race of that guy and that girl, they're racing and they're doing that, 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 that relay and the, the guy's like far away and this is like a super athlete runner and he smokes her. Well, these ladies are out there finally protesting this dude. Amen. Because that's what he is. He's still a dude. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. About time, you feminists. Did something right. Amen. But guess what happened? The feminists, they got jacked with. Amen. Online. Oh, now you're getting jacked. The woke mob is coming against the feminists now. But they're, they're right to say, it's like, you know what? This isn't right. He shouldn't, they shouldn't be competing with women. There's this transgender guy that was, did MMA with some girl. Oh, he beat her up. How many think that's right? They deserve all equality. That oh, that poor girl that went in there, she probably thought, oh, they probably paid her big. Okay, we're, we're going to pay you a million. Okay, I'll go get beat down. She got beat, man. I told all my, I told all my kids, if you're going to have an ungodly relationship, it won't be in my house. It's not going to be in my house. You can pack your bags. You're not gonna, it's not going to be in my house. You can hide it from me all you want. But, it's, you know, listen, I, I'll find out. 
and it's not going to be in my church. Because I call, I call, call them out, call them out. I'm going to call them out. Listen, the world does what it wants, but you must judge your home. Who pays the bills around there? Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, baby. Woo. Come on. That guy's like, I do. You got any bike? Oh. That guy pays the bills. Amen. <laughs> judge listen some people say oh you don't love love them no I love them enough to keep my convictions and honor God amen that's how much I love them amen let me close real quick I'm sorry I told you it was three hours long training up amen so there's a promise real quick for Samuel then I'll raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart my mind I will build him a sure house and he shall walk before my anointed forever so we find this example in the proverb proverbs 22 6 um, train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it that means when they get older they realize dang what mom and dad were telling me was right and they begin to revert back to the way they were trained up amen so it doesn't mean being overprotective either again okay and this happens because of fear of letting them fail they're going to fail but it's a teachable moment when your children mess up and fail you, you deal with it you teach them you walk them through it amen listen my children will tell you when i said i would di- they would do something wrong i would discipline them and they would be in the room crying and then I'd come back after five minutes, and they were, they were still crying. I'd say, okay, stop crying. That's enough. And I'd sit there and talk to them and, and talk to them about what had happened. What'd you do? I said, you know what you did wrong? <laughs> yes. I'd say, what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they would always say that to me. <laughs> What'd you do wrong? Do you know what you did wrong? <laughs> yes. What? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay well let me tell you this is what this is why I disciplined you amen they're gonna fail but you get to show them that failure isn't final that's what a parent does mom and dad you show them that failure is not final it doesn't dictate the rest of your life amen they're gonna fail but it's that teachable moment amen you teach them that god picks up the righteous and raises up the weak amen that's what god does you have to help your kids through their difficult moments mom dad you're gonna have to learn how to communicate yelling at the top of your lungs is not communicating okay they know they know what i'm doing that's not communicating amen they get to communicate with them that they're good kids but you're gonna they're gonna go through difficult times don't worry i'm gonna help you i'm gonna fight for you and and, you know most kids at that point will say does this mean that i'm not grounded uh no nice try (laughs) every time i discipline them would always follow through with a talk and tell them that I still love them. Listen, I still love you. 
You're going you're gonna, to, in your mind, your heart, you're going to think, I don't love you or hate you. I still love you, even though I'm disciplining you. Because we must set boundaries. You have to teach them that discipline and boundaries and rebukes, amen. They have, they have to know that they're going to be disciplined. They have to know that there's going to be correction so that when they're older, it's not uncharted waters. Listen, if we restrain our children's, uh, listen, if we don't restrain them, life is going to restrain them. Do you know what prison, amen? Hello? You have to teach them to respect others. Respect you. Respect God. Amen. This was the problem with Eli's sons. They had no fear, reverence, or respect for anyone. And the things of God. Uh, Proverbs 23, 13. Do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with the rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with the rod and deliver him his soul from hell. Jeremiah Wacker was telling a story about Little Wacker. That's what we call his junior, Little Wacker, right? Some of you know him. And uh, Jeremiah told his son, he says, you know what, son? I'm sorry that I, w- that I was too hard on you many times. And Little Wacker said, that's okay, Dad. When I'm at work, my boss yells at me and corrects me, and I know how to handle it. See, a lot of sons and daughters don't know how to handle this. And they quit their job and quit their job and quit their job and quit their job because they don't know how to handle correction. They don't know how to work with adults. Everything's an offense and they hate me and blah, blah, blah. It's because they were never dealt with. And think about this young man now. He's gracious when he's older and he's looking back with love for his dad. That's what you get. You get love. You get grace. It's all right, Dad. You may have been hard on me, but I know how to. I know how to function in the world. Amen. My kids would have the same response. Know how to navigate through those things. Hebrews twelve five says, "And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the ones that He loves, and chastises every son whom He receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God's treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you." you're left without discipline in which all have participated then you are illegitimate children and not sons besides this we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them hello we respected their discipline Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. See, in the end, we have to trust God and what we have imparted into our sons and daughters, amen. And so there has to be a God factor in them. Uh, you can teach them all you want, but they still need to know God um, and find God for themselves, amen. Uh, there was a point in all my children's lives said, look, you're going to have to get saved, amen. You're going to have to have your own relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, you, can't, you can't have my relationship. This is mine. You have to find your relationship with God. But we know in our story, one kid turned out good. 
First Samuel 3.19, so Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. You know, Hannah trusted God for, with her son. And our hope is that God would show himself real in the lives of our kids. Uh, there's this quote and I close, it says, when it comes to your children, you can't take too much credit for their failure. And you can't take too much credit for their success. You can't take too much credit for their failure. And you can't take too much credit for their success. That means, listen, just because they fail, listen, you, we're there as parents, and we're going to pick them up, and we're going to help them along. But it all starts with disciplining them. Amen. Let's bow our heads uh, this morning. I did prep you and say this was a, it wasn't three hours at least, you know. 